Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Here with Benji Nyson as usual and Baby Yoda for the recap of Stage 13 of the Tour de France, the second well, sprint stage on paper in a row. This show is supported by our show partner, Lacole, who produced Performance Cycling Apparel. The stage from Nîmes to Carcassonne, our cab missed out yesterday. Well, all the sprinters did really because the breakaway and, yeah, that was gone when the stage kicked off with the crosswinds. But today, 220Ks, another lumpy stage. Yes, one categorized climb, Côte du Pic Saint-Loup, 5.5Ks, 4%. But there's loads of other uncategorized climbs, you know, in the last 50 to 70Ks. And the finish is also a bit of an uphill drag, false flat gradient, uphill drag. The last 4.5Ks are technical, and that's why they extended the uh, they, they extended the three-kilometer rule to 4.5Ks. Uh, but, yeah, Benji, we thought it was a good opportunity for the break again, and people did try, but Quickstep really weren't having it today, unlike yesterday. Yeah, certainly. They tried at the start themselves with Osgren and so forth, trying to go in the breakaway. We saw not try and go in the breakaway. We saw a lot of people trying to go in the breakaway. Just a huge attempt to do the same thing as yesterday. And it didn't really work out because they keep on closing down gaps. So, for example, you've got an attack of seven ruler riders at the front of the peloton. A ruler rider. Some people ask that in one of our uh, podcasts. That's just a rider that is pretty decent at riding on the flat. Bit of a flat engine. Seven of those riding away. The Koenig has one rider in there. But they also attempt to close that down as well while they have a rider in it. So they self-neutralize it by being in it. Plus, they try and close it down to make sure there's not a strong breakaway away. And that's exactly what was being, uh, what has happened here at the start of the stage. And it happened so much that at a certain point, everybody was like, okay, I'm kind of done for a moment. And three riders slipped away. De La Tour, Sean Bennett, and Omer Goldstein. And uh, those three riders were uh, off for a bit because... And we saw the usual tactical behavior at the front of the peloton that 90% of the world doesn't enjoy watching. That's the fact that a team like UAE and the Koenig, who doesn't want another breakaway to form, puts themselves at the front, rides a very slow tempo to make sure that the gap to the breakaway exceeds very quickly, expands very quickly. And when that is going on, they are technically also kind of blocking the road for people to try and attack. We saw that today. Some people tried to slip past again. I think Steven tried to attack again, but in the end, those were the three riders that were up the road, and Piela Tour, Bennett, and Goldstein weren't seen again until uh, a few moments later in the race, a few hours at least. Yeah, and those guys presumably were going for the combativity prize. They wouldn't get it despite just sort of thrashing about in the breakaway. Poor guys, maybe they're the wrong nationalities. But yeah, it looked like with once you, it's a difference. You see, when yesterday we see 10 men go and the, the quality of that break, you know it's going to have 10 minutes. Today, they're keeping it tight, two guys, and uh, we know it's going to be, well, we know it, it should be a sprint, but as we get later into the stage, they get brought back actually quite early. It's long, 220Ks. Uh, the intermediate sprint, I think Cavendish basically let the others have, well, it was kind of halfway up that climb. Others took like three, four points on Cavendish, Phillips, and Colbrelli, but Cav mentioned this in an interview the other day. It's like, 
I mean, they can take five or six points on me at the intermediate sprints, but I'm literally destroying them in the final sprints and like Paul Bradley's coming like 20th, so have at it. Um, so he's he's focusing on stage wins, which with this parkour at the Tour de France is the correct thing to do. Benji and I mentioned this in the preview show. This is the year that a, a pure sprinter can win the green jersey comfortably if he dominates. So quick step controlling, there's then a crash. What, what did you see as the cause of that crash, Benji? Because it was quick step's big man to control, the clerk going down in it. Yeah, it looked like somebody just hit the ground or hit a pole or something by the side of the road. And that caused everybody else to just have to break very swiftly and swerve out of the way. And some people went down the hill and so forth. I don't exactly know what the cause of the crash were because uh, the video footage doesn't exactly show it too well. So from that, I'm guessing that, yeah, somebody went down and the others just hit him. And in the end, Geraint Thomas was in that crash. We had Case Ball going down the hill together with Søren Kronderson, Joris Nieuwenhuis. So basically half the team of DSM was down at that moment. Simon Yates, one of the biggest victims. He's out of the race. So a bit unfortunate for the upcoming mountain stage is one of the breakaway guys that could definitely have had an opportunity for that. Also Nasir Buhani hitting, hitting the ground. So perhaps yeah. that could uh, play a role in his sprint definitely. afterwards towards the end of the stage. I think those were the most important names. Serafa Mike also down, that's UAE. So um, potentially... Uh, not too great for UAE as well when it comes to support for Pogacar in the upcoming mountain stages. If Micah was pretty bad, but he looked to be standing up very swiftly, although he was also down there, um, down the hill in the bushes. It was a bit crazy to see like all the bikes being pulled from the bushes by yeah, the side right. of the road. Bit of a sketchy thing. Kind of horrible to see. But anyway, from that crash, we went over to uh, Chaos in the Peloton instantly and we saw Fanart at the front of the Peloton. But most importantly, the man is back. The myth, the man, the legend. Nah, I switched that around. Alex Aramburu was at the front of the peloton. <laughs> was he? <laughs> for a good one minute. <laughs> I, I saw Kelderman pulling as well. It was, it was a combination of the rulers, like, well, Bora Hansgrohe both probably wanting to get some, uh, thinking about stage win action if they can put quick step under pressure because Philippe then had to start pulling and, you know, Awesome rider, Alaphilippe, but on this sort of lumpy, false slight drag, like you, if you look at the profile, really sort of heavy stage, he's got riders like Niels Pollitt moving up or big or Daniel Oss trying to put him under pressure and he can't really keep that front position on the peloton. They've got Kelderman pulling, Kwiatkowski moves up with Carapaz on his wheel. They're even changing turns. But apparently they're thinking there was echelon action, Benji, and you've got the combination of Declerc crashing, Quentin Pacher, he like on solo. He's the man that did win combativity. He gets brought back. I didn't really notice, so it goes to show how important the combativity prize is. But the wind just wasn't strong enough, and you, you really didn't see the peloton moving horizontally yeah. at all. Everyone's in a straight line. You look at the trees, zero movement, the flags on the side of the road, you know, hanging limp. So it really didn't. It didn't really work out for Bora or them. And Kuhn crashed as well. And I think he would have tried to put Quick Step under pressure. Because, Benji, if you're, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a team. If you're a, let's say Bora is a good example. That's the only way you can win this stage, right? If you had take a fly with Pollard or Perstelberger and, and have Cavendish on the wrong side of a split. Yeah, or you can do it differently. You can try and pressure a team like the Koenig in such a situation to try and go for a bit of a reverse lead out attack like Perstelberger did in that Giro a few years ago in the final kilometer, trying to attack in that section after you've heard the Koenig in the uh, echelon sections and they have reduced men to try and take control in the final sprint. So those are things that you could do here, but 
the Koenig survived that echelon section pretty well, it seems. And I think the only rider that they lost was Alaphilippe, who had taken over the job of the cleric after the cleric fell. And um, in the end, they were setting up for a mass sprint towards the end. And I don't think anybody was uh, thinking differently. We saw us going into the final 4.5 kilometers with Ineos at the front, trying to keep themselves safe until that spot. But they also kept themselves as at the front just after that, until like 3k to go, because it was still a bit of a descent right there. So... I'm not sure the 4.5 kilometer switch 100% worked here. You think it did? I think it did. I think it did 100%. Okay. Kwiatkowski stops his action about 4Ks to go. Mm-hmm. He's not – if someone else wanted to move in front and they did at about 3.8, they could have, and that's what happened. I think he basically was at the front with 4.5. They're then going single file into the technical section. He's like, well, I'm already carrying speed here now. Carapaz is on my wheel and no one really moved up. So I do think – Definitely riders. Yeah. And also, yeah. I'm not sure it was signposted too well at 4.5. Like, if I was him, I would have been like, let's just add another 500 meters just to be yeah, sure. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Never a bad idea. But yeah, three Ks to go. We see we've had Quebecer and Cofidis at the front of the peloton for some reason. They're disappearing. But this flat, maybe they're going for Laporte. They've got this sort of false flat uphill drag. It suits him a little bit more. But it's quick step taking control eventually into the circuit. 1,600 meters to go. The familiar site, Asgren. Ballerini, Murko, Cavendish. And I think there was a turn, Benji, like a right-hand turn. I can't remember. I'll watch it again. But Quickstep kind of, they got a little bit cocky today. And when I say yeah. that, they, they, they went a little bit, they were a little bit early with Asgren. And you see Ballerini, if I try and find it, it's before that left-hand corner. Ballerini looks at like 800, 750 to go, looks over his right shoulder. He sees no trains and he's thinking, we can wait a little bit because no one's going to come up because there's no Dries de Bont, Merlier, Ricard, triple header combo leading out Philipson or the other way around. Like you have a, a shell de Price which can put them under pressure. So they he kind of lets Asgren dangle on the front and then DSM through that corner goes bang. And I'm thinking, oh, have, have Quickstep stuffed this? Uh, but they hadn't. They basically got the free drag from 600 to 500 by DSM. Then Ballerini kicks with 500 meters to go Murkov lets the wheel go, and then the DSM leadout man just has to re-kick again with Bowl on the wheel. Murku now takes that wheel of the DSM leadout man off Case Bowl. He's got Cavendish on his wheel. Ivan Garcia Cortina goes to jump the gap to Ballerini, who's a strong man. Murkov then gets onto his wheel with Cavendish on his wheel. So Murku's getting this draft the whole time from other leadout men. He kicks with like 200 to go. Cavendish comes out of the wheel. Philipson tried to anticipate but Cavs just way too quick. And it was a messy sprint, Benji, but you got to say, De Koenig absolutely played everybody. Yeah, certainly. Ballerini with the reverse lead out, perfect move. Yeah. And in all honesty, I think that Garcia Cortina helped De Koenig way more than it put them under pressure because for that sure. added an extra lead out for Merku to just sit on yeah. until he launches his lead out to launch Cavendish in the end. And once again, Cavendish just has to come over in the final 25 meters and... That's the beauty of these calf sprints. It's so well prepared and Merck was proving that he once again is the best lead out in the world. And I think that he can adapt to situations so swiftly, which makes it so valuable because today he didn't have to do a regular lead out. He had to follow the wheel of a Garcia Cortina, for example. He had the insight of saying, that's a, the wheel I need to be on. That's the move I need to be on. While Ballerini is still ahead of Garcia Cortina, for example, after that, I need to try and take over now ASAP because that will allow Cavendish to come around as well. And yeah, perfect lead out once again that way. 
And a lead out is not as simple as just having four riders in a row every time. It has to be adapted yes. to certain situations. And that's why Merku is the best that it he can adapt to everything. And it felt like he kind of had to break in the end to make sure Cavendish won. <laughs> but uh, I looked back and it seemed like uh, it seemed like Merku was actually still doing a bit of a bike show on the finish line. So He was, yeah. Yeah, he was still going for it. But I think that we need to uh, report a, a petition. I feel like thanks to Sterling's dive. Yeah, thanks to Sterling's <laughs> dive. I think I want a petition for Michael Merku to beat Cavendish on the Champs-Élysées and ruin every Englishman's dreams. Well, sure, he's a manxman. I know. What do you mean, mate? But they pretend he's English, so <laughs> his dreams. He'll already have beaten the record on stage nineteen. <laughs> so of course, okay. he'll lead it. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's boring doing it on stage nineteen. I feel like they they need to sprint for Merck on nineteen, and then for Cavendish on the last one to make it like at least a bit intense. Okay, it's a bit boring otherwise. <laughs> The Draconic Quickstep companies who sponsor Quickstep are just like, get this Benji guy off the air. Like, no, we're not going to mess around like that. It's like me, being like, it's like me saying, yeah, Yamov is 100%. They've got to bring Wafana back to pace things. Like, Screw the stage win. doesn't even matter. On stage wins, yellow jerseys fly forever. Uh, but here's the, final, here's the final results. That dominance Benji's talking about. Cavendish first, Merku second. Draconic Quickstep 1-2. This is in a full group, by the way. Not like the Merlier Philipson 1-2 in a... You know, a group where Cavan, where Ewan took out Sagan that were on his wheel. Phillips in third, Garcia Cortina fourth, probably his best result. The Tour Sauvage Van Poppel fifth, Aaron Baru Benji. He's woken up. I forgot he was here. Sixth, yeah, Laporte two seventh, Greipel eighth, Korf nine, Sturvin tenth, Buani eleventh, Matthews. Matthews twelfth is surprising on this sort of finish, right? That's a shit result, isn't it? As simple as that. I think it's mainly due to positioning because Vanard was also trying to move True, up. True, 15th was, was unable to move up at all in the final corner. And because of that, they were out positioned. And I think that the Koenig had the strength to move Cavendish towards the front once again. And that was ideal in... Yeah, okay. So the lead out is not only important of launching the sprint. It's also super important of bringing your sprinter to the position where you can launch a sprint perfectly. And that's also very valuable. That's also why a rider is sprinter on. The Koenig is so strong. It's because... Their leadout is often, if not always, the best leadout in the race, just the last leadout in the final section. And as a consequence, if you're on that sprint train, you're just consistently more likely to win because you have more opportunities than other people as well. Well, you look at Philipson's beaten Cavendish most notably this year and Bennett at Shelva Price. The way he beat them there is completely different to how he's trying to beat Cavendish at the Tour de France, and he has no other choice yeah. at the Tour because he has no lead out. He has Ricard, and Ricard does his best, and he did a good job to put him on Cav's wheel. It's the best wheel to be on. But if you're on Cav's wheel with Mercu launching at 65 k's an hour and Cav coming out of Mercu's wheel with 50 meters to go, you're not beating him. Philipson's not shown that he has the Marcel Kittel or Peak Jakobsen crazy speed where he can launch early at 80, 100 meters or more off Cavendish wheel and put a full bike length and an inch on him in that time. If he's coming out of the wheel as he did here with 50 meters to go, no chance. And uh, that's why he just keeps coming sort of second and third behind Cavendish. And I don't really see that changing. Case Bowl, Benji, I'm watching DSM. I think it's good that they I, – I like what they tried today. But, again, it was a little bit early. They needed one more man. And Bowl, again, 
you see Bowl with 500 or 450 meters to go. His lead-up man's telling him very obviously, flicking him. Even if you pause it, I'll, I'll even pause this graphic. He's he's pointing at Bowl to get onto the quick step train, and Bowl keeps following him away from the quick step train, and then promptly blows up with 400 meters to go and doesn't even contest a sprint. And I feel like either he's physically unwell, people have said maybe he's physically unwell, or there's mentally, I don't know what's going on. Either way, if he is physically unwell, he shouldn't be racing. Yeah, he crashed again today, but uh, we don't know the consequences of crashes and we can't really judge that without hearing the athlete. So for now, it's a bit harsh, like impossible for us to like guess whether it's graduated or not. That's what I mean. Yeah, and, and, you know, people say, oh, you may be being harsh on him. But, again, we don't know if he is sick or not. If he is, we apologize. But if he is unwell, then we would say he shouldn't be in the Tour de France contesting bunch sprints. So, yeah, just Cav equals the record, Benji. Does it matter? I don't, to me, it matters not one bit, not a single <laughs> bit. No, 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 that the competition isn't as strong. It's oh. a Tour de France stage nonetheless. Do I think Cavendish, if you line up Bennett and all the other peak sprinters, would beat them consistently? No. But he's here at the Tour. Quickstep has brought the best train. They've planned the best. They're executing the best. And why isn't everyone else, why isn't everyone else here? Ewan made a bad decision on stage three, crashed himself out. So, like, does, does the sprint field really matter to you, Benji? Or is it, maybe, is it disappointing to you that we're not seeing maybe the best of the best guys sprinting yeah, I think it's slightly disappointing in the sense that I would have hoped to see the best against the best. That's what I want to see in the tour. And it doesn't hurt me per se that it's not happening right now. It doesn't take away from the victories that Cavendish is getting. I think that people who watch cycling in the mainstream, though, they will have a different image towards cycling now. For example, for the people that only watch the Tour de France... They will think that Mark Cavendish is the best sprinter in the world right now, while to me he's not even in the top three. So I think that that is the consequence of that. You've got the people like us who watch every bloody cycling race that is on in the world, and we will know that there's better sprinters out there and judge that appropriately. But the mainstream public, the ones that watch the Tour de France and so forth, and that's not a bad thing, watching solely the Tour de France, but they will have the thought that Cavendish is now the best sprinter in the world as a consequence. And that's the one thing that annoys me because, yeah, I like people being informed. Well, I guess we watched we watched him against Philipson six times in Tour of Turkey, so I guess we're not learning anything particularly new here. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not, not great for him. I guess if you were to beat the quick step lead-up, Benji, is the option to put someone on Cav's wheel or Bennett's wheel or this year surely the better option Apart from that one sprint with Ewan at UAE Tour where Ewan got onto Bennett's wheel and just torched him on the last stage, but he has peak speed, surely the better option is to try what DSM tried to do, what Albertson did at Sheldapresh, and try and actually overcome that quick step lead out. Yeah, but I I just don't see that working very easily. I think that the best oh, way to do it... Easier said than done, of course. The best way to do it will still be to try and force a big breakaway on on stage 19. And why? Because the Clerc just finished two minutes before the time limit after his crash. He's oh, not really? looking too amazing. So they don't have that extra engine at the front of the peloton. They'll have to start using Alaphilippe for such stuff. And Osgren, for example, and those are riders that they might need for the chase in the end. And that's why stage 19 could 
I won't, won't say easily, but could potentially also be a breakaway opportunity like the one we saw yesterday. And I think it will fully depend on who tries on that day. I think there's a lot of people in the peloton that will still need to try stuff. Someone like uh, an Oliver Narsen, for example, that kind of type of rider. Kung, those are the type of races where they can still try and go in the breakaway for something big. And towards the end of a Grand Tour, after the Mountain Stages, the sprint team might say, okay, we need a day off to prep for Champs-Élysées or something. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I, I feel like Quickstep were happy to take yesterday off, to be honest. Yeah. Cavendish afterwards was like, yeah, that I was a bit tired, whatever. Uh, so th- that made a lot of sense. But before we get to the preview of tomorrow's stage, I want to mention our show partner, Lacole. They've supported us since the inception of this podcast, just about when Benji and I were doing the Britannia Classic, the first, probably the second time we ever spoke to each other last year. And Lacole have kept supporting us. This year, they've just released, just before the Tour de France, in time for summer, their new lightweight collection, which will help you stay cool on long rides. And it's made of breathable fabrics. In Andorra, it's hot as hell. And I'm wearing it. I did at Rabassa this morning. And uh, yeah, it certainly helped. If you want to pick up any Lacole kit, you can use our code LRTDF20. That's LRTDF20, all caps, which can get you 20% off all Lacole items, even if they've already been discounted. There's also a Strava challenge if you want to join the Lacole Strava Club uh, as well, uh, which can get you additional discounts. Um, but they sort of apply after the Tour de France as well. Benji, tomorrow's stage, I'm thinking breakaway all day, 184Ks, Carcassonne-Tocoulin. It's got it's medium mountain and it's got a number of sort of Cat 3s, Cat 2s. The hardest ones are the Col de Montsegur, 4.3Ks, 8.1%. We're getting close to the uh, Andorran border here. That's with, that's like, yeah, 4.3Ks, 8.1%. That's quite hard. It reminds me of the he or she one. This reminds me of the he or she stage win last year a lot. The last climb called the Saint-Louis, 4.6Ks, 7%. That crest was 17Ks to go. There's bonus seconds on top. I can't remember. I don't think there's any, like, KOM bonuses. But Alaphilippe, Wafan, well, Benji, they got to be favorites one and two for this. Uh, am I missing anyone? Colbrelli? On the preview, you named uh, a rider that I'd like to steal, Matej Mohoric. He's going to try again on stage 14. Oh, true. I think that it fits him. And uh, it was your pick for the podcast on the preview one I checked yesterday. So <laughs> if it happens, it's still credit to you, but you're allowed to go for a different pick here. I think I think the way he won stage seven, mm-hmm. I think if he's, if, yeah, like good timing, mm-hmm. you know, and he then got in a group with, with Sturvan. I think if he's in a group, on Col de Saint-Louis with the likes of Alaphilippe Wampanoag, they'll destroy him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he goes to the finish with them, maybe he, I don't know how technical the descent is. Maybe it is technical, but Wampanoag's a good descender, so is Alaphilippe. So I, I find, he can I drop find, everyone like a rock. Yeah, but I find it <laughs> I find it tough for him. Seventeen k. This maybe I, I certainly like him from the reduced bunch behind. Cold Braley, big opportunity for him. I mean, do you think maybe Bahrain use Mohoric to if you're Bahrain Benji, do you pull Mohoric in the break or do you say, no, you're gonna to pace today the break to um set up the Cold Braley sprint for the stage win against the likes of Matthews, Aramburu and and Co. I, I think that's a I think that's a problem because I think there's gonna be a a strong break that's gonna be hard to bring back. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I I'd put Mohoric in the breakaway and Go for that opportunity. He proven it once that he deserves another attempt at it. And I feel like he uh, deserves to at least try a Freyla for Astana as well. Yeah. And Aramburu, for example, might have an opportunity on this stage as well. 
those types of riders. I think Latour might try again after today, but then again, today didn't really fit him. I don't know why he chose this stage over tomorrow, to be honest. Uh, just a lot of opportunities for riders who have nothing yet and are those riders that you would put in a breakaway. Molema. the end might try again, Molema, for example, but I think we need to look at one person and one person only. He is sitting quite nicely in GC on position 117 on two hours and 10 minutes. And tomorrow he needs to take back at least two hours of that if he wants to win GC like we expect and Ray Greipel. <laughs> Mate, he's climbing all right. He, uh, he's good in the finish today. It's a little uphill drag. Uh, I like Van Avrama. Surely should be lo looking to get in the break tomorrow as well. Yeah, indeed. Um, Pig Van Avrama should be very competitive on this finish. Murasa as well. Falverde? Uh, Movistar, free some guys. Uh, I like that Everyone. they've given free them. Come on, man. Just let get Everty and Verona in the break with if Verona. Uh, he had, he's had issues today, I think. Valverde, come on, get him in the break with Valverde and give him an opportunity. Um, he, he doesn't have enough wins yet. I'm trying to look at some other – Mike Woods, Benji, as well. I mean – The descends in the race. I know, I know. But he beat he beat Valverde. Yeah, right, Mem right. Remember in that Vuelta stage with yep. a, like a similar climb? Correct. That wasn't technical, of course, but he, he, when he has the legs, he's good. Um, yep. You've got quick Treg that will try a lot. I think that they'll put people yeah. in the breakaway, like like you said, Molema, but believe, don't Benji. forget about the shark himself, who yeah. is apparently going to Astana. <laughs> All right, we'll save that for a clip. But yeah, I heard oh, that la, rumor. La, la, la. I heard that rumor about three, four weeks ago, actually, about talks ages ago. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll save that one. But I'm not, I'm not getting too excited about it. Do you reckon Ineos will free anyone, Benji? I don't think so. No. Yeah, Kvyatkovsky. I'd love to see him have an opportunity. <laughs> it's I'd never going to happen, mate. He's know, in prison. I know he's in prison, yeah. For, hey, he signed it, he signed on the dollar line. That's what it is. All right. We hope you enjoyed the recap of today's podcast. Magnus Court. Oh, yeah. Why did he went for today's stage? Yeah, Magnus Court, write him down for anything like this. Did you say Valgren? Not today, but I can try and say it. Valgren, there we go. Yeah. We've crossed that all, also. Sergio Aguita's quick as well. We like so many. And he's so many today. Guys. So uh, it's also like a meh. I feel like he should try on the mountains more than, yeah. uh, than on these hilly parkours. The point is, we've said so many names. Those are the guys, and there's so many climbs early on that will be trying to, you know, they can form this sort of breakaway. Trying to control it will be very difficult, and uh, UAE obviously won't give care at all about one the more break thing. Going. Yes, sir. A team like uh, FDG now lost uh, Godus GC. They've lost Demar in sprints. Do you think that a Madua could potentially get in a breakaway? I've not seen him. He's been struggling as well. Yeah, uh, is, perhaps is there sickness going know. through that team or something? Yeah, it looked uh, like uh, Armirai was also in sickness trouble before Godin. Yeah. So it could be possible, to be honest. Ida Schelling as well. Love to see it yeah. in tomorrow's stage. Maybe the climb's a little bit long, but yeah. Conrad, there's some, Conrad as well. He'll try for we sure. Just name half the peloton, okay? <laughs> no, it's all the guys in that stage seven, stage seven break, and that's why yeah. I just see break all day. Maybe we'll be proven wrong and Pogacar attacks take the bonus seconds. Who was it for you? Who did I say? I don't remember. Mine is more. Uh, okay, there we go. All right. We hope you enjoyed today's recap. Cav equaling Merck's record. Benji's really, really excited about it, and we'll see you at the recap of the Pilon stage tomorrow before it comes to Andorra on Sunday. Till then, ciao.